0: or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za Yes, indeed, it is good to be with you this Sunday morning and to open up God's Word with you. One thing I want to just start off the service by saying before we dive into God's Word is, if you're a mom... And you need some alone time with your child. We know that's going to be some challenging, you know, whether it's going to be in the foyer or in the kitchen. So I just want to encourage you, if you need some time with your child, um, feeding your child, there's a room off to the right, right here for you to be able to use. Now, a lot of people will think, that's crazy. I'm not going to walk up in the middle of the service, past everyone in the front, and go sit in that room. But we're family. We're family. This is family. You're not going to disturb me. You're not going to disturb anyone else feel absolute freedom to walk down the side and go into that room and close the door and utilize that space all right that's just for the moms who need that this morning all right so i want to invite you now again to take your bibles and open up to the book of galatians the book of galatians and we are continuing with our study of the fruit of the spirit and that means we're in galatians chapter 5 and we're going to read again from verse 22 Galatians chapter 5, reading from verse 22. If you have your Bibles open, or if you want to look at the screen, this is the Word of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things... There is no law and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires recently you guys know that we went to America uh, to go visit our dear friends Josh and Marta and the rest of the Mac family and we had this one-day plan for our family my family to go to Disneyland but Josh on that day was gonna have a different experience because he had to go to the doctor For them to do this checkup, whether there is cancer or something else going on inside of his stomach and colon. He went for a a routine checkup just a a few weeks earlier and they found some indicators that uh, they needed to go go for a more thorough checkup to see if something more serious was going on. Now, as they were enjoying, as we were enjoying our time in Disneyland, in the back of my mind, I kept thinking what the results might be. And so around midday, I messaged him and asked, Did he know anything? What did the doctor say? Did he have cancer? And he messaged me back to say, Thank the Lord, there is no cancer. Which is this massive feeling of relief, right? To which I replied, Well, God is good. God is good. Which is something we all say in moments like these. To hear that you don't have cancer, wow, God is good. But what if Josh did have cancer? Will I still be able to say God is good? What if you found out you had a serious disease, that you are about to lose your job and maybe take a cut in your salary? What if you found out there's something wrong with one of your children which could impact them for the rest of their lives? Will you be able to say God is good? Today, we are coming to the next fruit of the Spirit in our verse by verse, word by word exposition of the book of Galatians. We have taken so much time over the last two years to walk through this intense book because of the importance of understanding and guarding the truth of the gospel. Paul is pretty upset. That the people in the Galatian churches are being led astray and are busy entertaining the idea that you must rely on your own religious efforts to make yourself acceptable to God and be in His good books. And so he writes this passionate letter to help them turn back to the truth of the gospel. That you can only be justified and be declared righteous because of putting your confidence in Jesus alone and even though we are living so many years after what Paul had written so many years ago the truth of God's Word still speaks to our context today we need the book of Galatians not only to help us see how sinners like you and me can be in this close intimate loving relationship with God but how we should live now that God has changed our lives By opening our eyes like what he did with Paul on the road to Damascus. Showing us who he is and our need for him. And to help the churches in Galatia, Paul has been saying that the gospel changes us because not only does God unite us to Jesus Christ, that when he died, it's like we died. And when he rose from the dead, we were raised with him. And as a result, we are set free from the bondage of the flesh and the, the power of sin. Because now we have a greater power that's in work in our lives. We have the mighty Holy Spirit that is at work in us. And because He is at work in us, our lives are going to change even more. We are going to become more like Jesus. Which is exciting for us to think about, because as we continue with our study of the fruit of the Spirit, here in Galatians chapter 5, we are going to focus now on the fruit of goodness. Today is goodness. Last week we talked about the fruit of kindness. And we said that kindness and goodness are closely related. And we said that if you want to grow in being someone that is kind, then you must identify the kindness of God in your life. God is so kind to us every day, but most of all, we see His kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. But not only do we need to identify God's kindness toward us, but we must look at ways we are not being kind to other people. And especially, we must then look for opportunities to show kindness toward people who make our lives hard and difficult and who don't deserve it. Because that is what Jesus did with all of us. We didn't deserve His kindness either. But today we want to talk about goodness. The fruit of goodness. And what we have seen and what we've been saying is that these fruits come from God because this is who God is. God is love. God is joy. God is peace. God is patience. And as we said last week, God is a kind God. But today we get to slow down and think more about His goodness. Now when you look at the specific word for goodness, agathos, in the New Testament, you can actually see that it's a word that's not used that often. Maybe something like four times only. But just because the word for goodness specifically is not used that often, the concept of goodness or, or good and God's goodness and how we are to be good to others is all over the Bible. And it's important for us to understand God's goodness because it changes how we think about everything that happens to us. And it changes how we think about our own goodness. Because when we understand what it means to be good, it impacts how we seek to do good to others. Because even if you go back, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, we notice from the very beginning that part of the core problem is that there is this attack on the character of God and specifically on the goodness of God. Satan wants us to doubt the goodness of God and so he brings in confusion saying that if Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, then they won't die. Rather, they will be able to figure out for themselves what good is and what it's not. And that is kind of what still goes on today, isn't it? When life gets hard, we doubt the goodness of God. And when we doubt the goodness of God, we start to focus more on ourselves, thinking we know best rather than doing good to others. And the devil wants us to interpret God's character when we look at our lives and consider all our disappointments and our pain, and he wants us to conclude that God isn't as good as we think He is. And when you go down that road, we too start with to a question mark on His goodness. And so it's important for us to consider the goodness of God. And now we can actually do good to others, no matter the circumstances of our lives, because of His Spirit that is at work in us. You see, the word goodness can be described as the character of moral excellence, which is generous towards others. Which, if we're honest, doesn't always sound like us, does it? Sounds like something we desperately need to grow in. Or as one man says, Agathus, goodness, is the internal goodness produced by the Spirit in the heart of obedient believers, which then finds expression in external goodness spoken by uh, his mouth or performed by his hands. In other words, goodness or being good or doing good is something we do not have by ourselves, but is given to us by the working of the Holy Spirit. And so for us to understand how we can grow and show this fruit of goodness, we need to see that God is good and He does good no matter what is going on in our lives. Which means, church, if we're going to display the fruit of goodness... We need to see that firstly, the goodness of God is the anchor of our souls. The goodness of God is the anchor of our souls. You see, when we think about who God is, it brings comfort to our souls to think of God's goodness in light of the rest of His attributes. In other words, God's goodness is who He is, and the rest of His attributes flow out of that goodness. His kindness flows out of the fact that he is good. His mercy flows out of the fact that he is good. I mean, we think of Moses again. I, I referenced this last week when we spoke about Moses. Talking about God's kindness and providing shelter for Moses when God was going to pass him by. But let me just take you back to that scenario again. Exodus 33, 19. Moses is talking with God and saying, God... How will everyone know that we are different from the rest of the people? And he's like, is it not that your presence will be with us? And God is pleased that Moses is saying this. But then Moses asks God this pretty huge question. He makes this massive request. He says, please show me your glory. And how does God reply? Exodus thirty-three nineteen. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. You see, Moses is asking God to see his glory. And God says, I will let my goodness pass before you. And so we see there's this link between the glory of God and the goodness of God. Because you see, part of the essence of God's glory is the fact that He is good. As the rest of verse 19 then says, And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. Which means that we cannot separate what is good from God. Because you cannot have goodness without God, in the same way you cannot have God without goodness. That's why the psalmist says, Psalm 16, 2, Say to the Lord, You are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. And in Psalm 145, David gives us the song of praise, where he says, People will praise God for His greatness. And then he says in verse 7, They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud, of your righteousness because when you think of God's power his mighty power and how he creates what he wants to create how he controls everything how he wants to control it it brings us great comfort to know this powerful God is also a good God he is full of goodness that is why it doesn't make sense that people try to talk about being morally good people, a morally good person, without talking about God and His goodness. Because here's what the Bible says, and I love this one. Psalm 119.68. It's one of those you want to write down and meditate on this year. The psalmist says, You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. And what the psalmist is saying is that, yes, God is good, which means God is morally excellent because he is absolutely perfect. He is the ultimate in perfection, and in his goodness, then overflows in being generous. Crazy generous in his kindness. Crazy generous in his mercy. And his love. His compassion. And so when you're faced with the news that you have cancer or no job at the end of the month, what does the spiritful believer know is true by faith? God is good and He does good. In Psalm 73, we see how Asaph is going through some time where he's doubting the goodness of God. He's describing the spirit in his life when He had serious spiritual struggles. And he starts by mentioning how God was good to Israel. But then he talks about how close he came to giving up and forsaking the way of righteousness. Pretty much walking away from God. And part of why that happened is that he was envious of the wicked. You see that in verse 3 if you look at the psalm. He says, For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You see, Asaph was wishing that he, he could be in the shoes of the, the evil people around him because it looked like they were prospering. But he was also self-righteous. He thought of himself as being better than, than he really was. You see that in verse 13. He says, All in vain I've kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. He thought that he deserved God's blessings and then he made the conclusion that all this righteous living was for nothing. And I think we can relate to what Asaph is saying. As the wicked people around us prosper, it seems that there's no benefit to being a Christian who wants to live according to what God says. And we go through some kind of suffering and we start to doubt the goodness of God. But then you see this great turning point in Asaph's perspective about the goodness of God in verse 16. Up to this point, he thought that goodness meant that God would give him health and wealth and and he had earned it by his righteous behavior. But then he realizes he was wrong. See that in verse 16, he says, "But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to be to me to be a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end." You see, when Asaph came into the presence of God and surrounded himself with truth, he started to see how, in light of eternity, and those who seem to be prospering now, they were actually the ones who were in great trouble. And so he's comforted not only by looking at life from a heavenly perspective, but knowing that God is good and He does good now. Now. Because then at the end of the psalm, in verse 28, he says, But for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. You see, Asaph came to have a different view and definition of what goodness is. Because good or goodness is not the absence of pain or difficulty or sadness or bad health or a lack of finances. Good is something far better. It is being near to God. The God that is good and does good because that is who He is. And when the goodness of God is perhaps being attacked again and you want to doubt that goodness, then we need to learn how to respond in faith. Because as Galatians has been teaching us that what it means to be walking by the Spirit is that we are walking by faith and not by sight. You and I, we don't have the wisdom and the insight to see what is good during our trials. In the moment we think it's terrible. We just want these trials to stop and these challenges to stop. But then like Asaph, God brings you through this dark time in your life to help you see that He is good and that He does good. Because His holiness is good. His judgment for sin is good. His discipline in your life is good. God is good in His entirety, and we cannot separate any good in this universe from Him. And because God is so good, He gives generously to His children what is good, which means He does not withhold anything good from us. Psalm 84, 11. Psalm 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. You see, and so by faith, when the Spirit of God is at work in the Christian's life, they can say, when their entire house floods, because of all this rain we've had, God is good. When people hurt you with their words, the Spirit-empowered believer can say, God is good. When you don't know when you will get married, God is good. When you struggle to get the paperwork you need to even live and work in this country, God is good. When your children have messed up and you have to deal with the consequences, you can say, God is good. When you get the opportunity to learn from your mistakes, we praise God and we say, God is good. Because trusting that He is absolutely good and always does good means that His goodness is the anchor of our faith. Instead of wanting to walk away because we think we are not good enough or sit down and feeling sorry for ourselves because of what is happening in our lives, then the goodness of God gives us hope because His goodness is the anchor of our souls in the storms of life. Because it's not about having the good life. Rather, we see that the good life is having God and being close to Him. And so for us to understand how we can grow and show this fruit of goodness, we need to see that God is good and He does good no matter what is going on in our lives. That His goodness is the anchor of the believer's soul But then we also notice that secondly, the goodness of God comes to us in Jesus. The goodness of God comes to us in Jesus. Earlier I mentioned that it doesn't make sense that we try and talk about what is good apart from God. In other words, people today think that they are good even if they have no relationship with God. That they can live some kind of morally decent life and be kind and nice to other people, and they and those around them then think that they are a good person. But what the Word of God makes clear is that goodness comes from God. Apart from the Word of God, we will not understand what biblical goodness is and what it looks like, because the Bible says that God is absolutely good, but we are not. And I want us to think about this a little bit, because perhaps instinctively you think that the Bible says no one is good? Apart from Jesus, we are totally depraved. And we go to passages like Psalm 14.1, which says, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. Or you go to the classic text of Romans 3, where Paul says, No one does good. No, not even one. But as we have said, goodness is moral excellence that is generous towards others. And so here's what I want us to think about. God is absolutely perfect. The goodness of God is this absolute moral quality that is perfect. But then we go and we take our kids to a birthday party, and before we drop them off, we maybe tell them, hey, remember, be good. And basically what we're saying in a moment is, hey, be morally excellent and be generous towards others. But is that what they're going to do? Probably not. Here's what I'm trying to get at. Sometimes we try to be more biblical than the Bible because we say to our kids, be good, but you know that only God is good. And that is true when we talk about the absolute perfect moral excellence of God. Only God is perfectly good. But the Bible doesn't just say that. Because then you read passages like Luke twenty-three fifty, which talks about Joseph. Now there was a man named Joseph from this Jewish town of Arimathea. And he was a member of the council, a what? A good and righteous man. Now is Luke saying that Joseph is not depraved? That he is good and perfect and morally excellent in everything he does? No, Luke is not saying that Joseph, Joseph is absolutely perfect like God is. But he is saying that there is goodness in Joseph that makes him different from the wicked, unbelieving people around him. What about Barnabas? Acts eleven twenty four. The Bible says, For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And the point I'm trying to make is that the Bible does say that no one is good. But when the Spirit of God comes into your life, then you will display a kind of goodness that reflects the goodness of God. Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Because the goodness he displayed in action was a goodness that overflowed from his new relationship with Jesus. Because biblical goodness comes to us from God. Because as Paul says in Romans 7, 18, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. And you know we've been talking about walking in the flesh and walking in the Spirit. In other words, if there's any kind of goodness displayed through depraved sinners like Paul and us, it's goodness that comes from God. It doesn't come from inside of us. It has to be put in there by God. I mean, you think even of Jesus and what He says about being good what does jesus say to the rich young ruler who is asking him about eternal life mark 10:18. good teacher what must i do to inherit eternal life and jesus said why do you call me good no one is good except god alone and in the context of this conversation jesus is actually trying to get this man to see that he has no good apart from a relationship with god And Jesus is not saying that He isn't good, but He's actually trying to sell this man and to acknowledge that I am God. Jesus is God. And then Jesus talks about the goodness of God for those who are willing to forsake everything they have to find that goodness in Him. And the point is we need Jesus and how God shows His goodness to us is by giving us His Son so that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have what? Eternal life. And those who recognize that there is no good in them realize that they need the goodness of Jesus to come to them, to cover them, to enable them to have the kind of righteousness that the Bible talks about like Joseph and Barnabas. Because when you realize that you need to give everything up, So that you can gain even more in Jesus. Then God fills you with the goodness of His Holy Spirit. Because the good news, right? The good news of the Bible is that people like you and me. Who try to be good people by ourselves. We can't do it. By ourselves we cannot do it. It will never be enough. But when the goodness. And loving kindness of our Savior appeared. God takes away all the dirt of our sin. All our own selfish efforts which are like filthy rags. And He washes us clean. And He fills us with His Spirit. So that we can do good to others. Or as Paul said to the church in Rome. Romans fifteen fourteen. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers. That you yourselves are full of what? Full of goodness. Full of goodness. And so yes, as believers in Jesus, we recognize that God is absolutely perfect. He is absolutely good. But when He saves us and He gives us the the power to change through His Spirit, we are now also filled with goodness. The kind of goodness that shows we are close to Him. The kind of goodness that is growing as we stay close to Him. But not only is the goodness of God the anchor of our souls and it comes to us in Jesus, but now finally, number three, God's goodness causes us to do good to others. God's goodness causes us to do good to others. If we think back at what Paul has been saying now in Romans 15, He could have said, I am convinced that you are not as bad as you used to be. But he doesn't say that. He said that he knows they are full of goodness because he knows the gospel changes people. And the reality for those who have put their faith and trust in the goodness of Jesus is that his goodness towards us causes us to do good to others. But what does that look like? What does that look like? Paul tells us that because we are full of goodness, because of what Jesus has done for us, we are able to instruct one another. Look at the second half of Romans 15, 14. He says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Paul says he's confident that because of Believers are full of gospel goodness and gospel knowledge that they will be able to instruct each other in ways that are helpful. And ways that we seek the good of the other person and not just the good of ourselves. In other words, you ask yourself, is what I'm going to say to them for their good and not just for me to say whatever I want to say because I don't like what they are doing? We all need instruction on many things in this life. And in the context of the church, God has given us family in Christ that is full of goodness that should be seeking one another's goodness all the time. But is that true? Because that should be consistent with the Spirit at work in our lives. Or how does Paul put it in Ephesians? Ephesians 5.8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. We are to walk as children of light, children that have the growing qualities of moral excellence. A fruit that is found in all that is good and right and true. And the point is that you can't say that you are a child of God and a child of the light, but your life is not changing. And so how do I know if my life is changing? Well, there's one way you can see at least. How do you respond to evil? In other words, how do you respond when other people do the opposite of good to you? Romans twelve twenty one. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How do you know you bear the fruit of goodness? You take the evil others do to you, and you take that moment, and you turn it around and do good to them. It's like this guy who was in the army, and who was known to be a Christian. And because he was always praying for, before the troops went out and as they came back and this Christian soldier was praying and this tough guy came in and took off his dirty boots and he threw it at this guy as he was praying. He threw the first boot and hit the, the guy behind the head. He took off the other boot and then he threw it against the man who was praying against the head. Now how would you respond in a moment like that? Revenge? Show him he's wrong. The next morning when this tough guy woke up, he saw his boots next to his bed, all clean and shiny. And this humbled him so much that it caused him to ask for forgiveness. Because what did the Christian man know? He knew that Paul said in the verses leading up to Romans 12, 21, verse 19, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. That is what goodness looks like toward other people. It's overcoming evil by providing for them and seeking to do good to them, even while they are seeking to do evil against you. In other words, God wants us to overcome evil by doing good things that will be beneficial for other people. And instead of just avoiding them, God is like, I filled you with my goodness. I sent my son to die so that you could be filled with my goodness. So go and do good to them. Later in Galatians, in chapter 6, verse 10, Paul is going to say that we need to seek to do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. And part of the point he's trying to make in that context is that the way we treat each other in the church will be a testimony about the goodness of God to the rest of the world. But we're just not limited to show goodness toward Fellow Christians, in First Thessalonians 5.14, Paul says that we are to, to do good to all men. All men. 1 Peter 2.15, we see that by doing what is right and or good, we may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. And so one of the best ways we get to share the good news of Jesus, is it not, not just by what we say. Yes, we should say that they need Jesus and point them to Jesus, but also in what we do. So let me ask you, whose boots do you need to clean this week? Is there anyone in your life whose boots need cleaning? God has taken the evil of man and turned it on its own. Head by showing us in the most amazing way the goodness of God as we look at the cross of Jesus. He has taken our evil sin that nailed Jesus to the cross and used it to overcome the evil of this world so that we can be people who deliberately and intentionally respond to evil by doing good. And so when the goodness of God is the anchor of our soul and when you realize that you have received the goodness of God from Jesus, then you can do good to others because of the Spirit of God that is at work in your life. You can walk in the good works that God has prepared for you. You can let your good works be a light so that people can glorify your Father in heaven. And so as we close, I want us to just read and think about this quote from A.W. Pink. A man who wrote this a long time ago, he says, The goodness of God is the life of the believer's trust. It is this excellency in God that appeals to our hearts. His goodness endures forever, so we should not be discouraged. When others behave badly to us, this should stir us up to be thankful that God is good Because He is always good to us, even when others are against us. We recognize that we are far from being good, and that should cause us to bless Him, for He is always good. We must not tolerate a moment or a thought that He is not good. His ways may vary, but His nature is always the same. And so whatever you're going through in your life right now, the true believer in Jesus can say by faith, God is good and he does good. And because his goodness is at work in our lives because of Jesus, we can do and seek the good of others. So let's go do that this week. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much as we think of Jesus. How sinful people like us, how evil people like us can be transformed into your likeness because of your goodness. And sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die this cruel death on a cross. Seeing what men meant for evil, God uses for good. Because we come into the presence now of a God that is always good. And out of your goodness flow all this love and all this mercy and all this kindness towards sinners like us. And so, Father, if there's anyone in this room that are trying to relate to you based on their own goodness, their own efforts, show them how miserable a road that is. At the same time, Lord, show us all the goodness we have in Christ. Complete forgiveness in Christ. Complete acceptance in Christ. And not only do you save us and leave us like we are, you change us. You transform us more into your likeness. To be able to display through the inner working of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, to be able to be good and seek the good of others. Teach us your statutes, Lord, we ask. Keep us close to you. So that no matter what happens in our lives, we can say, God is good. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.